Ed Pettit is a Philadelphia-based freelance writer, book reviewer, and host of an Edgar Allan Poe-dedicated blog. Welcome to The Bibliophile. Thank you. I'd like to talk about why Poe fascinates you so. He fascinates me for uh, because I'm a Philadelphian, and there's all these Philadelphia connections with Poe, and that that's definitely that attracts me a lot. But I guess I've always been fascinated with Poe. I mean, uh, uh, the psychological horror stories, the mystery and crime stuff. Um, he gets at that kind of those base elemental feelings in people. You know, he's got that, you know, that whether it's the psyche or the unconscious. And he's writing about things that touch that. That still appeals to people. He was a great influence on Baudelaire. Yeah. And, and uh, the French symbolists loved him, and, and it was the French that took up the Poe mantle early in the 19th century. Did he sort of make it in France before he made he it did. in the States? Well, he wasn't completely unknown when he was alive. He was well-known as a literary critic, very much so. His Based writing, here in Philly. A lot of it. A 14-year writing career, and six, six of the years were in Philadelphia, and the most productive years are in Philadelphia, um, especially because the magazine industry is centered mainly in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the magazine capital of the world, when, of, the, of the country, when Poe was here. And so he started off by writing criticism and short stories? Criticism, yeah. And he wanted to write poetry, really. Po- I think Poe wanted to be a poet. That's yeah. all he really wanted to do. Uh, but people didn't really accept his poetry. It was the French that really accepted his poetry, uh, especially the symbolists. And, and they carried that mantle for a good 50 years or so, and then Poe's rediscovered by American critics in the early 20th century and they start saying, well, yeah, there is something here with the poetry. So who, who would that be? Like, with Edmund Wilson and uh, people um, like that? or I don't think so. You know, I don't think Wilson liked Poe. Okay. I'm trying to remember, but I don't think he did, but... Um, Do you have a champion? Uh, Richard Wilbur is an early champion of Poe, actually. I think hmm. maybe as early as the 1950s. Uh, I read recently that, that Northrop Fry was a big fan of uh, Poe, a Canadian uh, critic. That's interesting. I mean, if you think about it, Poe's Poe may be the most famous American writer in the world, that more people in the world would have heard of Edgar Allan Poe than any other American writer. Okay, so he started off writing criticism and short stories for magazines. Did did someone translate him into French? Baudelaire translated some, at least the poetry. I'm not sure about the fiction. I wonder if they're really attracted to with the whole uh, Auguste Dupin connection, too, because, you know, Poe invents this detective mystery story and he sets it in Paris you know, with a French detective. But I wonder if there's not that attraction that the French had for that as well. Uh, did he know much about Paris? Or? Uh, no, he uh, wildly made claims that he had traveled the world and been to Russia and things like that, but he hadn't. Um, as a child, he lived for five years uh, near London uh, in a boarding school. His parents uh, sent his him off? His foster parents had taken him. No, his, his foster father, John Allen, had taken the family there to, for business interests, and Poe was in school there for five years as a child, mm-hmm. and then back in Richmond, Virginia. For the rest of his childhood. And he, he was an orphan? Uh, he was. He was orphaned at, I think, the age of three. His mother's an actress. Uh, the father left. Nobody, nobody knows what happened to the father. He's gone shortly after Poe was born. And the mother dies, I think, when Poe was three. And she's, and she's literally still an actress and, and a very successful actress, traveling with her infant son. And she finally gets ill and dies and, uh, in Richmond. Uh, I think that's perhaps where she died. There was a lot of uh, uh, people took up her cause, this poor dying mother, and, and they got a place for Edgar and with this, uh, the Allen family. Uh, Poe was devoted to his foster mother, and she loved him, but he, he did not get along with his foster father, John Allen. So everybody says Edgar Allen Poe now, but Poe didn't 
uh, use the Allen name in his life. At least he didn't write it a lot. I probably didn't speak it a lot. He usually put Edgar A. Poe. Okay. So the famous it. falling out when they were when Poe finished up up the University of Virginia. Uh, he had some gambling debts, and you know he wanted to write poetry. And, and uh, John Allen was furious. Poe was you know going to do what he wanted to do, and, and uh, Allen wouldn't support him for the rest of his life. Did he have some sort of uh, depression or epilepsy or? Nobody's sure. There's a lot of theories as to what you know uh, uh, medical problems Poe might have had. Maybe a brain tumor towards the end when he died. He died um, fairly young, didn't he? At the age of forty. Yeah, the age of forty. Nobody knows what caused the death. There's, you know, there's a dozen theories that are all plausible, um, from rabies to you know to a brain tumor. I mean, there's lots of different. You know, raised ways that he could have died. No, uh, no o- hospital autopsy or anything. No, not. I don't um, know if they would have done that. And, and, well, he definitely had a drinking problem in his life, but it seemed to be one of those binge problems where every now and then he would go on a bender and literally reeling in the streets. And because of that, he could not drink all the time. But it just happened occasionally, maybe at bad times in his life, or you know that kind of thing. And it's hard to live in that time and not drink. You know, there's not much else available yeah. besides alcohol. Right. You don't want to drink the water or milk or anything like that. What do you have? So, <laughs> yeah. so he, he got out of university with some debts. He did. He wound up in the Army. He joined the Army and uh, rose very quickly through the ranks. He might have wound up as a sergeant, and it was unusual for someone to rise that quickly just going in as a private And I think, short amount of time, maybe a year and a half. I'm not sure the exact time. And then he decides to go to West Point, and he winds up going in the way, and he's in West Point for... Uh, maybe a year or so, and leaves there. And what year was that? Would that be around? I'm thinking uh, early 1830s. Okay. Must be. So he would have been born around 1810. Born in 1809. That's interesting. So he goes to West Point. How did he get in there? If he didn't have any money, or I, I, it's connections. You know, somebody writes a letter, and I don't know if his. I, I, I think his father did say, "Okay, I'll help you with that," and maybe contacted somebody he knew that could get him into West Point. Okay. And he did, and uh, but yeah, he didn't like it. It influenced his 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 uh, poetry, especially. Uh, Helen McKenna Off is a park ranger in Philadelphia. Tells me the story. She's a park ranger at the Philadelphia Poe House here, and he's in charge of ordnance, and he has to construct these these artillery shells. And what's involved is how much powder you put in, how long it's going to take for it to go off. There's a lot of mathematical equations involved in all this stuff. And someone later wrote about Poe's poetry, how he kind of sets the same kind of bombs off in his poetry. It's very well timed for which word's going to you know, be stressed and, and how the meter runs. And a military form of poetry yeah. writing. But he wants to be a writer, and he wants to be a poet, and yeah. he doesn't, and, and a great literary critic, and you know, the military life's not for him. So he leaves and tries to write, publishes a book of poetry. He actually published a book of poetry wrote and I think published it while he's still in West Point and it's dedicated to his fellow cadets and uh, I think the story where he went around giving it to people and most of them were shocked that he actually wrote a book of poetry they thought it was so yeah, character that, that's not what they do yeah that's certainly <laughs> not what soldiers do so well um, Wilfred Owen does but but then he leaves and uh, he's in Boston for a little bit because that's where you go to make it as poet in America at the time and he publishes his uh, book of poetry there Tamerlane and other poems one of the most famous rare books now. Did, was it a private uh, press or was it? Uh, I, I found a publisher to do it. Did, um, okay. Very small press, and it's not even his name's not even on it. It's uh, Tamerlane and other poems by a Bostonian. Uh-huh. He's born in Boston, remember? That's actually where his mother 
has him on, I guess, tour. At that time, he thinks, well, I'll get in with the Boston, you know, poet crowd, and I am a Bostonian, even though he was only born there, didn't spend any other time there. But his poetry is ignored. Nobody pays any attention to it. Back to Baltimore for a couple. He has family living in Baltimore, so he goes there for a little while. Allen family or uh, Poe family? He has cousins and. I'm not sure if his brother's there at the time. He has a brother who also had a bad drinking problem and was a writer and died uh, fairly young, before Poe. And his cousin Nielsen Poe is a writer. But he goes back there to stay with family and and falls in love with his very young cousin, Virginia. So he's how, how old, 20, 20, 25 now? Yeah, he's in his 20s. How old is she? Well, he marries her when she's... Is she 13 or is she 15? I think she's 15 when they marry. Okay. But he's, of course, already wanting to marry her before them and does so and then they move to they try it they try New York for a little bit and it doesn't work out can't Again, do anything there for a year or so he's trying to be a, a he's poet. trying to be a writer he's yeah. trying to you know it doesn't work in New York he can't seem to make the right connections so he comes to Philadelphia um, with his wife and his mother-in-law which is aunt as well and they move to Philadelphia it doesn't work out so well at first they have a little trouble uh, the first year or so and then he hooks up with Burton's magazine in Philadelphia and becomes the assistant editor and the Burton's the who's the publisher is an actor he's William Burton and he's off on his acting tours and he tells Poe he only has to put a couple hours in a week on the magazine he'll pay him ten dollars a week very light editorial duties for you and then Burton goes off on his acting tours and Poe has to pretty much run the magazine but he does and uh, the magazine becomes successful and then Burton sells it to uh, George Graham and it becomes Graham's magazine Graham hires Poe as well, and under under Poe's editorship of Graham's magazine, it goes from about three thousand circulation to about thirty-seven thousand. Mostly he, out of in Philadelphia, or is uh, it a national? No, that's all. That's a national magazine, okay. and Poe's a great success as an editor there. But he's he's tough to work with. You know, he has Good. very high ideals. He wants to. He's as a critic, he's known as the Tomahawk, and there's a famous caricature of him dressed as a Native American holding it. It's a silhouette. Sounds like Dale, Dale Peck, the um, actor yeah. jobs. And that, that's where Peck gets that uh, imagery from, too. But Graham doesn't want him to do that. Graham wants to have a nicer magazine appeal, more middle class. And, and Poe wants to really push the edge and take authors to task for you know being terrible American writers. <laughs> but very much, he cares a lot about the development of an American literature. Several critics of the time do that, but what they do is they give a pass. If there's an American writer, people say, oh, isn't this great? We have an American writer. Isn't he great? It's more posterism, do right? That. Yeah. yeah, Poe doesn't do he's, that. He's, he's putting the same we really standards want on. American literature, and yeah. this stuff isn't good. And he picks a fight with Longfellow, which was crazy, and he accuses Longfellow of plagiarism, and, and there's this giant battle in the in the press about about that. Longfellow never responded. In his life, Longfellow never responded to it. But other people were certainly willing to jump in on his behalf. And, yeah. on his behalf. So was he, he did okay financially then, Poe? For a short period of time under Graham, he was making enough money. Right. And then he falls out with Graham, and then he's destitute again. And, and his wife is now ill. She now develops tuberculosis. And she starts spitting up blood in the night weather while she's singing in the house. And, and Poe's devastated by this. No, no children. But So Poe's got a sick wife, and he's got family to support. And, you know, it's, it's tough times in Philly. But in Philly, he's, he, he writes his greatest works. Uh, 1842 alone, he writes The Black Hat, The Gold Bug, Nasca Red Death, Pit in the Pendulum, Over Portrait. Just in a year, he's creating the greatest. It's like, the, it's like if you put a greatest hits canon uh, collection of Poe, almost all the stories are written in Philadelphia. Sounding like a proud Philadelphian. <laughs> I am. If anyone in Boston or 
if our Baltimore listens to this, I, I had be, some, they'll beg to differ. I had some battles with Baltimore uh, last <laughs> year. When, when the story hit, I was actually on the news fighting with people from Baltimore. Okay. So about this. So they're destitute now. Uh, then what? He's still writing as much as he can. They go up to New York again. Finally, finally he's, he's exhausted his resources in Philadelphia. No one's really willing to hire him. He's pissed everyone off. And the drinking has definitely hit. There's a lot of rumors that he's not you know, well and he drinks too much. He applies for a government job, and then when he goes to the interview for it in Washington, he shows up drunk. Oh, dear. Um, doesn't yeah. get it. Yeah, that's not a that's not Besides, a good he tries luck in New York again. I mean, New York's the other publishing capital of the U.S. at the time. Uh, not Boston, eh? Boston's more the, it's the transcendentalist capital, the poetry capital, hmm. but publishing in general, magazines, that's New York and Philadelphia. It's funny because, um, I mean, more recently in the last 50, 60 years is Boston, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I think of the, the Atlantic, I guess, is, I don't know, Harper. No, it's still, I mean, New York's still. New York's though. huge, yeah. but, yeah, okay. Nothing else, nothing, nothing can compete with New York. No, 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 no. But then New York was still competing with Philadelphia and Boston. Okay. So, okay, goes to New York. Gets in the right circles, becomes famous as a literary man. This is in Philadelphia. He writes his greatest work. In New York, he becomes most famous, and then he writes The Raven in New York, and it's and it's it's huge. And it, I mean, you know, and, and people, children follow him on the street and, and shouting Raven or Nevermore at him, or, or I think they shout Raven at him and he scares them away. Um, has a lot of fun. He's a great reader and a great performer of his works. But he doesn't make any money. In the Raven, he gives away for a song. It's, it's, a, it's a pittance, a few dollars he gets for it, and it becomes his most famous work. So no money in New York. Uh, his wife dies, and that crushes him. He's uh, desperately trying to find a, you know, a rich widow to marry towards the end of his life and tries a couple, and it doesn't work out. almost does. He's engaged to one, and then her family puts an end to it. But he still wants to, he's, he'd always wanted to have his own magazine. Drew up a prospectus, uh, a prospectus for it, and it was originally going to, going to be the pen magazine, but he's in Philadelphia. And then he decided to change it to the stylus magazine. Very high ideals, wanted to create this great magazine that would only publish the best American literature and criticism. And he, he figures if he can raise enough money to do this, that he's famous enough that this could, you know, this could really work. But he can't find any money, and he can't find a rich widow to marry. He goes back down south, and in Richmond, he meets up with someone who he was once involved with when he was young, and uh, and she's now a widow, and she's has money, <laughs> and she, she's going to marry him, and he's uh, on his way up north uh, to Philadelphia primarily to raise some more funds for his for his magazine to get it off the ground, and for some reason, no one knows why, he stopped in Baltimore. He may have come to Philadelphia and gotten on the wrong train and wound up back in Baltimore. Nobody knows why. He disappears for about uh, four or five days. No one knows why he was in Baltimore for those days and where he was, but he just he, uh, he's found um, delirious, lying in the gutter on the street by someone who recognizes him. And uh, Drunk? They, they thought at first he was, but the doctor later said he was not drunk. That's why there's all sorts of theories of what actually killed him. He was wearing clothes that weren't his. The, the, the biggest theory for a long time was that there's a thing known as cooping in election, electoral politics in the 19th century where they would gather up all these guys and they would kind of hold them and get them all drunk and then they would take them from polling place to polling place to cast multiple votes. And there was always a theory, because Poe was found on election day and there was a theory that that's what it was, but who knows? He just... It could have been a brain tumor. I mean, it just could have been very ill. I mean, there's uh, lots of reasons they could have killed him. But it does not appear that it was because he was drunk. 
So was he dead in the gutter, or he was just lying there? He died a few days later. They oh. took him in. They went to a hospital and died alone. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Raving too. I mean, they babbling incoherently. Nobody knows. He's famous. He said Reynolds. Reynolds. He was chanting some name Reynolds. Nobody knows who that is. Who he was referring to. Uh, mm. A very sad way to die. And only, well, I think only about four people were there when he was buried, in an unmarked grave for a long time. Baltimore had uh, they, there was a, a tombstone commissioned for his grave. When was that? Uh, right after he died. Oh, okay. And but it broke, and no one ever bothered to have a new one made and for I for decades there was no great there was no stone on post grave. And then they finally raised this money and they got one other one put there. So Baltimore didn't start celebrating Poe until towards the end of the nineteenth century. So and then they commemorate him with this big monument and Walt Whitman's there, you know, to help with commemoration and um, but it takes Baltimore a long time to recognize Poe as one of their own. And now they've continued the tradition. They do a good job with Poe now. I have Baltimore battles but they do a really nice job there with Poe now. So it's tough for them to get people to go to the house because it's in, it, I mean, it's in the projects of Baltimore, oh. the Poe House. Really hard to get people to go out there. But I can imagine tourists don't want to visit the house. The grave isn't the churchyard where the grave is 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 not so bad. Right. But it's hard for Baltimore tourism to get people to visit the house. When he dies, he's is he nationally known? Rufus Griswold is a critic and a poet at the time, and he actually is the executor for Poe's. Literary works. Yeah, who gets the dough? But Poe and Griswold don't like each other. And Griswold publishes Poe's works and writes a, a scandalous biography of Poe to accompany it that accuses him of all sorts of things. Like, paints him as the worst degenerate you can imagine. Drug user and drunk and all sorts of things. That Poe wasn't. I mean, a lot of the stuff Poe was like, Poe was not a drug user. That's one of the myths about Poe. Oh, did he smoke opium all the time? No, actually, probably never did. Or may never have. It was not one of his problems. But these are all the things that, that Griswold started it. Well, why did he have such an extra grind? Poe uh, was very critical of Griswold's collection of American <laughs> poets. Of and that, that, you know, that ended that. <laughs> and Poe was, Poe was angry that he wasn't really afforded a, a, a good place in Griswold's collection of American poets. And, yeah. Or was completely ignored, I forget. And Griswold paints this nasty picture of Poe. But it becomes that kind of, you know, romantic myth of the poet, this like degenerate outlaw, bad guy who creates these. And it's easy it's easy to do that about Pope because of so many of the macabre tales that he writes. Mm-hmm. You know, tales of murderers and all this stuff. So it's easy to paint Poe in that thing that he's some raving lunatic writing this, you know, real scary stuff. Uh, and stuff that no one was writing at the time. I mean, one of the first stories he wrote, Berenice, at the, at the end of the story, uh, the guy entombs his fiancée prematurely. And then in some trance he goes in and yanks all the teeth out of her mouth in the tomb <laughs> and goes back and I mean no people weren't writing stuff like this. No, no. So it's easy to paint Poe as some kind of crazy man yeah. who does this stuff. As much as uh, Poe scholars and Poe fans hate Griswold for doing this, it may really have been what Poe needed to become famous. That now he's this there's this iconic, you know, figure now that mm. people can identify and people love to identify authors with their works. It's a, quite a controversy for us uh, literary types. Yeah. And Poe's not a raving mood. He has his drinking problems, he has his temper problems in his life, and has battles with people, but for the most part, he is a serious professional writer. Yeah. And you have to be in that time to, to really succeed and to produce you know, any kind of you know, work. You, you, know, you, 
you can't be a lunatic and create work that he creates. He's also credited, uh, I don't know who's the first one to credit him with being the, the father of the detective story. He is. He who laid that moniker on him? I don't know, but it's there are no detective stories before Poe. I mean, he invents that detective who goes, who solves a, a crime, usually just by looking at the clues or sitting in a chair and theorizing about it. And that's Deduction. Augusta, and yeah, that's, that's Augusta Pan, and he, and he invents that story in Philadelphia. Pronunciation of August C August Dupin D U P I N and, and a good deal. It's inspired by the by the crime and posies in the streets of Philadelphia at the time. Mm. Um, uh, cities, especially, it's like a it's like an urban nightmare compared to today. I mean, you really, people think now urban cities are really dangerous and all, but imagine imagine it with no real police force. Fire brigades are basically gangs who like to fight each other at the fires. Um, cholera is rampant off, you know, every year or two. There's a big cholera epidemic in cities. It's a rough time to live in. Uh, and Poe sees all this stuff and then creates these tales that are rife with all this crime and vulgarity and murder and does he hang out at the courtrooms and get ideas there? Or? Well, he writes. He's, he's writing for he writes for anybody who really he can, and he, and he is writing for the penny press at times too. And he's writing. For, there's a one weekly paper he writes for in Philadelphia, Alexander's Weekly Messenger, and he writes about one of the murder trials for that about a, a James Wood who murdered his daughter and then was acquitted by reason of insanity. Um, and Poe writes about him about that murder trial. He writes about Wood the murderer being how calm and collected he was as he, you know, gave the testimony about how he killed his daughter. And that figure shows up in the telltale heart, you know, how calm and collected I was when I killed the old man, and it shows up in the black cat as well. Typical psychopathic uh, killer, then. So Poe's watching these, you know, murder trials and writing about them. So then he, he dies in... 1849. Uh, 1849, Baltimore. okay. And then when does uh, Baudelaire... Uh, would you say that he is... In terms of sort of a champion, is he the main guy? I think he's the first real big champion. There's there's lesser champions of Poe in America um, by writers who are forgotten. Like George Lepard is a forgotten writer now. But mm. He was enormously you know popular then. And he, and he was, was a friend of Poe. George Lepard wrote, wrote The Quaker City or The Monks of Moncol, which is this urban Gothic novel set in Philadelphia. And he knew Poe well. And he was a good friend, and, and he's he's publishing in newspapers how great Poe was, and all these other bastard critics will go down in infamy while Poe's name lives on. He's writing things like that about Poe, and uh, some others are too. But Baudelaire becomes the first real champion, and it's in France. Yeah, and I don't know who really the first champion of him is in America, but Whitman certainly like Poe. And by the time the the monument is dedicated to Poe in Baltimore, and you know decades later. Poe is, you know, well respected by you know enough people to continue with it. But even up till today, there's a lot of critics who hate Poe, or or they'll say something like, "El Doctor," I say he's like the greatest bad writer in America, or something like that. Uh, Harold Bloom has, you know, said lots of nasty things about Poe, but also that he's the most famous writer. Like they acknowledge how influential Poe is, but at the same time, some of these critics don't like that. He's the model, that he's the one that's influenced so many people. Not only invented the detective mystery stories, he's a big pioneer of science fiction. Well, his novel, he, write, he only wrote one novel, uh, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, and that's his science fiction. The Narrative you know, of Arthur, Arthur Gordon, Gordon Pym, Pym P-Y-M. Right. And some of his stories uh, are kind of fantastical elements that later come in to influence science fiction. But he's, he's very influential in the development of the short story as, you know, as a genre. form. And oh. he writes about that. He, 
he famously wrote about how the, the, the perfect short story should be read in two hours sitting the, the perfect poem should only be read in, in a, within one hour sitting and that kind of thing and, but his ideas of especially the short story form as a critic really influenced how the short story was developed what, what's his criticism like does he uh, does he critique various well known authors or is he more on oh that? he does he, he critiqued everybody I mean uh, the famous author Dickens and Longfellow and Cooper and most of his criticism you go back to it now you've never heard of any of these authors yeah, you yeah. Know, that's usually the way the way it goes I guess reading him now he's a very idiosyncratic critic I think later he starts to develop some solid ideas about what he thinks about you know artistic forms like the uh, like the short story. Is he worth reading as a, a literary critic? I think he's worth reading if you're interested in that 19th century literature. I think the short story stuff is interesting. In it's in a review of Hawthorne, we loved, and thought Hawthorne was great. And um, that's interesting. So I guess maybe as reading a great story writer like Hawthorne is what triggers in Poe these ideas of what the short story is supposed to be. And Poe's doing it himself all along. He's creating these perfect little nuggets, two-hour reading nuggets. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Melville writing about Hawthorne, too. Like, Melville's essay on Hawthorne is great to read, and really, you know, it's still applicable. You can still understand things and, and get a lot out of it today. But a lot of the writers he's writing about, we just, you know, we've never read. You know? Finally, uh, uh, and I'm speaking with Ed Pettit, who is the host of the blog, the... Ed Negger blog. What's the address on that? Uh, it's at the bibliothecary slash squarespace.com. Just finally, critics and biographers that you might recommend. Of Poe? Yeah. Daniel Hoffman wrote a great Poe critical biography, uh, and it's called Poe, 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 Poe. I think it's seven Poes. It's, it's a take-off of the Bells poem. And that's a great... It's a great reading of Poe. It's a great reading of Poe by a great poet himself, Daniel Hoffman. It's idiosyncratic, much like Poe, I think. There's a lot to be gotten out of that. I know a lot of writers who love that Poe book. And the Arthur Hobson Quinn biography of Poe, written in, say, the 1950s, I think, maybe 40s, uh, is really good. Some of the more recent biographies, especially the Kenneth Silverman one, uh, A Never-Ending Remembrance or something like that, it's a mournful and never-ending remembrance, I get the idea of reading Silverman's biography that he hates Poe. It, it really comes out of the pages. But the old Quinn bio is really good, and the, and the Hoffman bio, I think, which is from the early 70s, is good. Uh, Peter Ackwood just wrote a short life, which I haven't finished yet. I just read a few pages of. And uh, that's a short life. And so far, though, and maybe it's because I really like Peter Ackwood, it's, mm. you know, it's really enjoyable to he, read. He's, who hasn't he written the biography? Yeah, yeah. so... The, you've mentioned the canon. I guess that's yeah, the place to start. Yeah, and great then, stories and, and and the poetry itself is is really enjoyable to read. Other works now that the Hopper book. And I, I love reading Poe fiction. I love reading fiction about Poe. Poe is a fictional character oh. in those. And anything in particular standing out about that stuff. I love Matthew Carl's Poe Shadow, which Poe's not actually in because it's about an investigation after Poe's death. But his presence is in the book so much. It's about investigating the, yeah, the, the yeah. circumstances yeah, of the death. Yeah, it's called the Poe Shadow. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, it's um, fiction. The, what, what always angers me about Poe fiction is that they're never in Philadelphia. Well, that's that's where yeah. you're coming in, right? <laughs> that's it. What, what kind of plans do you have to write about I'm working Poe? On, I'm working on a Poe in Philadelphia biography right now, and I'm also working on another book about my adventures out in the world of Poe, visiting different Poe places in the country and and encountering his works and that kind of stuff. Do you collect it? Are you able to... I mean, it's probably... 
No, fucking post too much. I mean, you could you could collect you know twentieth century poet works and things yeah. like that, but you, you can't collect real poet works unless you have serious money. Well, you haven't stumbled across anything no. in your travels, yeah? No, nothing really. But well, I do, I do carry my uh, my Edgar Allan Poe action figure with me all the time. <laughs> Great, my good luck charm. Very good, Ed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you on the Bibliophile. Good pleasure. Thank you.